Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. So, I want to talk today about God as our Father and our response, good, bad, indifferent to that. And I, I just need to say straight up that uh, for some of us, when we start talking about this, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And yet God is unafraid of actually calling himself a father, which we, you need to realize that. Like, like, does that make sense? Why would God, does he not understand that there are some really good dads? There are some really bad dads. There are some absent fathers. There are all the complexities of all of that stuff. And yet God calls himself over and over and over again, Father. And so I, I want to just, I want to talk about that and maybe some of our reactions to that, responses to that, acknowledging the tension that's there. And so Jesus straight away in um, Matthew chapter six, if I look at the first slide, he said to them, uh, when you pray, say, Father. So the disciples see Jesus praying. They say, hey, how do we Teach us to have a vibrant, vibrant relationship that you seem to have. And he says, pray to the Father. He uses the word Abba, which is a more intimate term than Father. It's probably not as colloquial as Dad, but somewhere in the middle. Um, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sinned against us. And lead us not in temptation. And he goes on. Next slide. And then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and goes to him at midnight and Catherine talked about this and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has a journey is calm and I've no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not give up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of shameless audacity, he will get up and give it to you. So the honor, shame. So I say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who asks him. And Jesus starts out, remember he starts talking about prayer and God is a father and then he just expands upon the nature and the character of God as a father who is loving, who is a kind, who is a protector, provider, shelter, strength, all, all of these things. And, and, and what he actually starts to pinpoint is God's actually good and he's better than you even though you're really good. Even though you, as, and, and as a father and the dads in the room will know, you, you don't get up and go, right, how can I rule my kid's day? How will I do this? Don't point to anybody, right? Don't, you don't get up, hey, stop pushing, hey, hey, hey this is, just stay focused here. Well, the, the point is, I, I, you, 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 as a parent, even mothers, you want to do the best job you can. Kids, you need to listen. This is, I'm preaching here. This is, this is gold. We try to do the best job we can. Yes, we make mistakes. So we stuff up and we're human 
and we're sinful and we do things we don't regret later on. But we try to do the good thing. And Jesus is saying, so even you, when you have the best ambition to do the best thing, you pale in comparison to God as a father. You, you just like, oh my goodness, he is so much better. How much more will your heavenly father? And God is amazing. God is good. And I want to talk about what that looks like. And I remember my dad, he, he, he's gone to be with Jesus and he was, he was good and, and, and did the best job that he can. And I can still tell you the wounds and the issues and the problems of like the time that he got me a calculator for Christmas. That was just, that was amazing. I don't know what you got, but I'm sure it wasn't a calculator, my brother. I, like I, I th- and he was so excited to give me this calculator. I'm thinking, oh, wonderful. And look, he was a good dad. He did the best job that he can. But there's all these things I can recount with some challenges, issues and things that if we were to sit down and have a conversation today, I go, why would you do that? Like, why did you, all of these things. Fast forward to me being a father. You realize, like, we've got five kids and so different stages and ages of life. And you, you, you want to go, I, I love my kids. I want the best for them. And yet the reaction the reaction is different because uh, I remember my dad coming. To, you know, as as you get older, he didn't he wants to f- express affection or something, but sort of a bit clumsy and a bit sort of weird. And then I'm that weird guy, like I'm that guy today. When it's like go away, and I'm like, but I just love you and I care for you and I want the best for you. Go away, you're annoying. And I'm like, but I'm I'm I haven't changed. I'm still I'm loving, I'm kind, and I'm good. Yes, I'm interrupting your video game. Yes, I. I but I just love you. Can't I just do that? But what I want to talk about is our reaction to God. See, God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves us. He cares for us. But our reaction to him can change. And um, I'm excited to preach this because I was praying earlier this year about our church and God gave me this word that I've been like, when can I preach this thing? So perfect, perfect. And I want to talk about three reactions that we can have to God as our father. The first one. No, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go back. Is rebellion. I mean, like, really? Can we rebel? Let, let's just read. We're going to look Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're going to read the whole passage and talk about the two things. But this is a famous story. The, 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 it's called the prodigal son or the lost son. It's part of a three set. They lose the coin um, and they lose something else, the sheep, and they lose the son. So then Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country and he was sent to um, send him to the field to feed the pigs, which is not kosher. You don't. A nice Jewish boy shouldn't be doing this. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. No one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your sons. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. What you see in this incredible story is the, heart of the, the, the father heart of God who sees the son who has rebelled deliberately, intentionally, said, I don't want anything to do with you. Give me, I don't need for you to die. Give me stuff now. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. And yet you see this father who sees the son in a distance, celebrates him. There's no shame or guilt. I'm sure they had a conversation later, but they had this celebration and joy and party because the son who was lost is found. The one who rebelled comes under authority. But I think there could be, maybe not the full manifestation of what this looks like, but I think there could be some of us that live with God who is so good and amazing and yet have the heart that this son had, that we could rebel against God. But what does that mean? Like, does that mean you're going to go and feed pigs or stuff? like? Not necessarily. That's the extreme. But what it could be is that you want to live your way. You want to be in charge. So here's the son going, I, want, I reject your authority. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to be in the driver's seat. I'm going to go my way. I don't want anything to do with you. I, my life will be better if I can go my way and do what I want to do. So goodbye, see you later. And there's, there's, no, there's no submission to the father. There's no uh, surrendering to him. And you could argue, well, shouldn't the father have stopped him? But... This is, the, this is the father heart of God. If you really want to go that way, I'll let you go. Your heart's checked out already. And we see this in Numbers 22, where God says to Naaman, don't go this way, don't go this way, don't go this way, go this way. It's like God's changed his mind. It's like Naaman would never change his mind. He wanted, oh, so Balaam wanted to go, he wanted to go this way. And so God allows you to do what you want to do because he's a good, loving, heavenly father. And if you want to not be part of his kingdom and his rulership and his lordship, he's like, okay, that's all right. I still love you. It's not going to end well for you, but I love you. And so we can have maybe not this full-blown thing of wild living and stuff and, and all of this stuff that what, what the, the older son talks about later on, but it's, it's just in the seat of our heart that we want to have our own way. For me, this is a deep wound of independence. You know what's best. You want Jesus to be your savior, but not your Lord. And so you, you have a fear of trust, of letting go. And so I'm going to use this stool, because it's on the stage, as a, as a great example. So this is, this is your life prior to coming to no, Jesus and surrendering your life. You're stuck in this space. We're slaves to sin, the Bible. We, we, want, we can't go any other way but the way that we are set. And we, in our independence, go, ah, oh, this is the best. I know what's good. 
What the Father does in sending his son Jesus to rescue us is to liberate us of freedom. And he says, come walk with me, that there's life. What this rebellious part of us says, I, I want that. I want this. I want my way. Give me, I'll give you one example. Your sexual expression. I can be with whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want, doesn't matter. And yet God says that sex is to be between a husband and wife and marriage forever. And yet you want to go, oh, no, no, I, I doesn't. That's old-fashioned. And we long for this, what we think is independence and freedom, but it's actually a prison. We think, oh, well, that's just old-fashioned, Luke. But I'll tell you what. The reason that God has these rules are for your own protection. You form a soul tie every time you connect intimately with people. And, and God's trying to stop you from doing that. Think of something else, the, 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 living a life of, of honesty before people. And yet we manipulate and steal. and We think, if we, I get to do what I want to do. I get my way. And God's saying, you're being rebellious. If you honor me, if you live for me, if you look for me, there is freedom out this space. And yet sometimes in our, in our hearts, we long, the, the Israelites did that, they longed for Egypt, forgetting how much of a slave they were to all the things that were. And so there's sometimes in us, we want to go, no, I, my, I, want, I want my way. And yet, the, if we look at this next scripture, Hebrews chapter 7, 12, verse 7 to 11, it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of, of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while what they thought was best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that when we share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. And so what will you need to know? If you've got this rebellious thing in your heart, you need to know that you can trust God that you're saying no to whatever this thing is, this old way of life, this old way of living, and you're walking by faith, which is walking by trust, because he's good. I don't know the end, but I trust that you're actually good. And so I'm going to hold your hand, and I'm going to walk with you and live with you. And the discipline is when we want to go back, and go, I want this, I want this, I want this, and God's saying, no, don't do that. So God is a good father, but our reactions are different. The second thing, you might be rebellious, but the other thing is you might be a rule keeper. We go back to Luke 15 and see this, pick up the story. So the lost son is found and the father is celebrating. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because of his comeback safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. 
So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son. The word there is, is not just literally son. It's like my child, my dear, loving child. You're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You still see the heart of the father for the older son and the younger son. He comes out to him. He pleads with him. Come in, please. It's, it's awesome. It's great. This, we look at the older son. We could be, there could be this heart of darkness in us. That maybe we're not rebellious, but when we look around, we go, no, I am better than those people. I'm the rule keeper. And in fact, I'm so good that God has not noticed. Like I've been slaving away. I have been slaving away and you never gave me a goat. Not a good relationship, is it? He sees God as some sort of authoritarian figure. This is the other extreme, isn't it? Of, of like, there's no relationship. There's no intimacy. There's no depth. There's no, you don't understand what's going on. I'm slaving. Wow. He's not a son anymore. I've been slaving for you. It's not because, hey, this is a good way to live. Like, suddenly in comparison, he's looking around and going, well, I'm not like this. I'm not like that. And, I'm not. I, and he sees himself so differently. For me, this is the deep word of approval. He longs for his father's approval, and yet he doesn't realize that he has it all the time. My son. The words he, like, it's just, oh, my child. He says to him, you were always with me. You're always with me. I have never left you. You're here with me. He has this status. He has this position. He's still the eldest son. He's still sitting here with me. You, you've never, you, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. Your inheritance is still there. It's not squandered. It hasn't gone. Some think that this guy's inheritance was probably more because he was the firstborn. But what he's trying to say is this is still all yours. It's all here. But he's not living like it is. And he's trying to show him the values of, you must celebrate, we must celebrate, we have to celebrate. Because the lost is found. The rule keeper doesn't want that. The rule keeper wants to just make it about me and show me approval. And I think that there's a challenge for us as Christians to do this. I, I grew up in a religious system where it was all about trying to show God how good I was. So at times for me, this is a huge challenge because I think, oh, I've got to do this. But it is by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works, lest any of us boast. And there it could be at times in our heart, maybe it's not rebellion, but it's the other thing of like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. See God, I'm doing the right thing. So you owe me. And it's not a place of relationship with the father. We act like a slave, act like a servant. 
And it's like, hey, look, all this is yours. We are seated with Christ in heavenly place. We have an inheritance that is incredible. Yet, let me read to you what Peter writes. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He approves you. And so you might look like rebellious. You might be the rule keeper. The last one is harder to spot. The hard, last one is harder to spot. Reproduction. Responsibility. Okay, we can see the rebellious son there. They just, no, I'm not going to do that. The rule keeping son, well, they've got a, an attitude. You can tell after a while. But this one is harder to see. But it's probably progressive. I am writing, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ. So a guardian was a servant or a slave at the time that would take a child from uh, the wealthy estate off to um, the schooling and back. So it's just glorified Uber. Um, you make sure they're okay and go there and back. That's all they did. Um, for in, um, but you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Here's the challenge, I think, in today's society. We love information, but impartation which requires proximity and being with people. Uh, nah, just tell me. I'll Google it. I'll watch it on YouTube. I'll find out. Is it in a book? I don't want to spend time with you. I don't want to be near you. I can be so bold. I think for me, this, this is the deep wound of vulnerability. That we can be Christians who God is our father and yet we don't want to be vulnerable with him and left alone other people. So we can be guardians with all that information and transactional relationship, but don't have any fathers. Don't want to reproduce. Don't want to have authority or walking with people and, and, and accountability. But we're just like, no, no, no. Just, can we just have rows? Just like this. Someone tells me something, it's great. But actually, the Bible has a lot more about stuff around tables, a lot more about circles than it does in rows. And yet the challenge for us is that we think you can have 10,000 guardians. You can Spotify, every other thing. I can listen to everything. The greatest preachers in the world. But coming to a church and being a part of a community is what it is about. And so we have online, and that serves a great purpose, but it isn't the answer of what God came for. Because you can't reproduce online. You can find a partner online, but you will never have a kid online. I'm telling you that now. You'll never have a kid. It's just the way it works. But this is what Paul's trying to say. Hey, you've got lots of people in your world, but you don't have many fathers. And, and I'm not talking about, okay, we're talking biology. What the heck? It's actually talking about relational connection and responsibility. And that's what we need. So does that mean you, you need to be old and wise? No. 
It means discipleship. Let me put it in another word. It's discipleship. That you can disciple and be involved with someone else. One person. One person. Because that's the heart of the Father is relationship with you. Let me read to you it in the message translation. I am not, I'm, I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you. I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around you who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Because that's what fathers do. They're there every season. When you get A's and B's and everything else under the sun, they're there. They believe in you, whatever you get. They love you, whatever you do. There aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. That's why I sent Timothy. So what he's trying to say is this is what it's about, relationships. I'm going to show you Timothy because he's my son in the faith. He's going to do it and he'll be there with you and all this stuff. So that's proximity. So you have this wound of vulnerability. What do you do? How do you go from shallow to deep? Acknowledging that there's people in this room that are like, I've been in church world and I've been hurt. Yes, everybody's been in church and been hurt. Open up your hearts. Second Corinthians chapter 6. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but we are withholding you, but you are withholding yours from us. And as a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. And that's, there's a challenge for us. Maybe it's moving from rebellion to rule keeping to relationship and reproduction. And I wonder if the team could come. We've got to know. We've got to bring this brokenness to God, our loving Heavenly Father, who never changes. There's no shadow of turning. He loves us. You know, Jesus said in John 14, verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. We've been adopted by a loving Heavenly Father who demonstrates His love towards all of humanity in sending His only Son. It's relational language. God the Father sends His Son for everybody. That whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. He wants you to be in this relationship. And for those, to, what does that look like and feel like today? How does this, what does this manifest? What does this look like, Luke? Like, I, I don't want to be the rebellious thing, but there's seeds of that sometimes in my life. I don't want to be the rule keeper, but I struggle at times with that. I, I don't want to be, I want to, I don't want to be unproductive or unfruitful. I want to reproduce. I want to take the responsibility of being a father. I think gender matters in that space. It's about responsibility. You need the work of the Spirit. Because that's what Jesus says. I will not leave you orphans, but I will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to reveal. Jesus said, this is what the Father looks like. This is what God the Father looks like. Now, today, how do I know how God looks and feels like? The Holy Spirit. 
Let's read Romans chapter 8, just in my last scripture. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. This is the challenge. We all want to go back and do our thing. And he's like, don't be slaves to that. Brother, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Again, that's that intimate word of of, of relational connection with God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit's role is to get beyond the mind. It's there. But to stay to our spirit. God loves you. To scream from the inside out, God loves you. You matter. You're important to him. In fact, he doesn't just love you. He wants to make you his son. And the word is deliberately male because in the culture of the time, it was males got it, got everything. We're not justifying that. Life gone on since then. But if we are children, then we are heirs. See, that's the pattern. Because God, because I am his son, I am entitled to all of this and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, which can be anything from just, no, you can't have that anymore, to dying for your faith, in order that we may share in his glory. See what the, the God, God has done, revealed himself to us and yet today. And so I'd love us to respond, if we can, by standing. I want you to replace your rebellion with the revelation that God loves you. You know, get rid of the slaving thing and realize that you're in a relationship with God. And... We need to be with people. We need to be with him in his presence for us to be, to reproduce. But I want us to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for God to speak to us and pray that we... So what I'd love you to do is to close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit just comes into our hearts again afresh. Because the Bible talks about being being filled with the Spirit. As we are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit says to our spirit, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. The loving Heavenly Father who spoke the world into being, who uh, Jesus who sustains all things by the power of His Word, they call you the Son. You matter. You are an heir with, and a co-heir with Jesus today. So Father, we thank you for the richness of what you have done through Jesus for us. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us and gave us life and gave us hope and gave us freedom. And so we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand that you have set us free. And so, Lord, forgive us where we have been rebellious, maybe in an outward thing or maybe just in the seeds of our hearts. Lord, forgive us where we've tried to help us to know that we're approved and and we don't need to keep the rules to attain your approval, but we are your special possession as we are today. I thank you 
Lord, that you want to make it fruitful. And so I thank you for your presence. I pray, fill us right now with the, with the Holy Spirit. Just fill us afresh right now with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Maybe there's some things you're holding on to. You just need to let go to receive his love. Holy Spirit will pour out of the love in your heart right now. We thank you. Thank you that we can call out Abba, Father, an intimate connection with you. Jesus. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.